Well, I want you to sit back and relax. Can you do that? Sit back and relax. Because this is a non-GMO, farm-to-table, free-range, cage-free, organic, gluten-free sermon. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Susanna and I were in Sprouts the other day. You know that store that, that charges $400 for a loaf of bread. Uh, no, that's Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Whole Foods is $800. Sprouts is 400 Well, we were in Sprouts, and we were behind this guy in line checking out. And this guy had like 20 bags. No joke. He had 20 bags of beans. He was buying all these beans. I'm like, man, this guy, like, he likes beans. And I said to him, man, you like beans. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, I'm, I'm vegan. I said, well, that's awesome. I'm Sam. How you doing? <laughs> I said, vegan? Why? I said, okay, that's awesome. So, no worries. Gluten-free, cage-free sermon. I have a picture of my mom I want to show you. My sweet mom, she's coming. There she is. She's a little slow. She'll be 90 years old in June. And so, back when I was a kid, this is hard for you to believe, I'm sure, but I would do some things that I would frustrate my mom about. And, and in the South, growing up in the South, we have all these little phrases and sayings. And she'd get frustrated with me and she'd say, Merciful heaven, Sam. What have you done this time? You know, stuff like, or mercy me. All these things. And she needed mercy. Raising me, let me tell you, she needed some mercy and some grace. Well, that's our topic this morning of our message, it is mercy. And this teaching is about the gift of mercy and the need for it to be practiced body-wide, church-wide in the body of Christ. And this topic falls under the, the umbrella or the subject of pastoral care or for us this morning, for just caregiving. Caregiving. Which is a huge subject of which... We do not have time to cover all aspects of, but I want to, this morning, I want to just kind of whet your appetite with and for caregiving in particular, which we have much, much biblical precedent for, as we'll see as we go through our time this morning. My title here at the church, most of you know, is the Pastor of Administration and Pastoral Care. I love pastoral care. God's called me to serve in that way. Just like Pastor Dan, Pastor Michael, all of us pastors, Brother Eric, Drew, all of us who've been called by God to serve in a pastoral role, he's called us to offer caregiving and to seek to love people and to help them. Now, I love pastoral care. Administration, eh, not so much. But as my dad would say, it's part of the fleas that go with the dog. It just comes with the territory. But inherent with the call to pastor is this element of shepherding. Shepherding the flock to tenderly care for God's people. And that's so important. But also, and really, in fact, all of us in the body of Christ have been called to care for one another. According to God's word, 
1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25. There we go. says this, So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. The passage that Brother Eric read a moment ago. We should have the same care one for another. In other words, all of us have been called to care for one another in the body of Christ. And I think you'll agree with me that there is way more than enough pain to go around in this world. Would you not agree with that? Some of you here, sitting here this morning are in deep, dark pain. It may be emotional. It may be spiritual. It may be physical. But we're surrounded by people who are in pain. You walk out these doors, you'll encounter people who are hurting who are in pain and who are suffering for so many different reasons. Therefore, the greatest gift that you can offer to anyone who is in pain is a heart of compassion and ears ready to listen and eyes full of tears and a mouth that is shut. That's one of the greatest gifts you can offer to anyone who is in pain. I want to show you a short video clip from the film Philadelphia. Some of you remember that film. I believe it came out in the early 90s, I think 93. It's a very sad film, very kind of dark film about a young lawyer. His name's Andy in the film, played by the actor Tom Hanks. Andy has contracted the horrible disease of AIDS. And this clip is a hospital scene of his family visiting with him and, he, and they're telling him good night. Watch, watch the, the clip. I'll see you tomorrow, buddy, okay? Bless you, Andy. Good night, son. Try to get some rest, okay? Okay. I love you, Andy. I love you too, John. My sweet boy. I'll see you tomorrow. The reason I wanted to show you that is because I think it's a good 
illustration of, of caregiving. Parents love their son. Brother loved their son. His friends loved him. It's a picture of God's unconditional love for us, even though he made some poor moral choices. He's dying as a result. He's loved. He's cared for. And that's how God loves us. And that's how we must offer, how we are commanded to offer love to one another. I have many personal stories I could share with you from my own pastoral ministry of seeking to care for people and offering them mercy and compassion. But one in particular was a very difficult time in our lives. I was pastoring a church in southeast Texas, and we had some dear friends, David and Debbie Blanton. David and Debbie were awesome people. David was the chairman of the deacons in the church I pastored there. And I guess after about a year after we were there, his wife, Debbie, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and two years later, she was gone. And David really, obviously, understandably, took her passing so hard. It was a very difficult time for our whole church, really. And I called David up one day soon after his wife's funeral and to see if I could come over and visit. And he said, sure. And I arrived at his house, knocked on the door. No one came to the door. And, but his car was in the driveway. I knew he was there. And I waited for a moment. I sensed he was somewhere close by. And so I walked around the side of their house, beautiful home. And there he was sitting, just sitting there in a chair. He was weeping. I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. And I just, tapped him on the shoulder, and I sat down with him. And we sat there together, and we wept. And that was about it. There was nothing else to do. God's Word tells us in Proverbs 25 and verse 20, it's a beautiful proverb, it says, like one who takes off a garment on a cold day or like vinegar on soda is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. This proverb speaks of the false cheeriness of caregivers who gloss over the pain of a suffering person. The worst thing we can do to someone in pain is to discount their pain as if it does not Exist. I want to read to you an excerpt from a really an awesome book on caregiving. It's named after that psalm, don't sing, titled after that psalm, Don't Sing Songs to a Troubled Heart by Kenneth Houck. And he writes in this book, Those who sing a cheery song to heavy hearts abandon suffering people to bear their burdens alone. No one understands, no one acknowledges their pain. This passage from Proverbs, as true as ever today, says that you can actually increase a suffering person's pain with, with misdirected care. 
with the best of intentions, you can add to people's problems. Suffering individuals who hear such songs may feel worse because they reason, everyone thinks I should be better, happy, bearing up, improving, keeping a stiff upper lip, but I'm not. What's the matter with me? Do you think Moses was always happy dealing with 600,000 grumbling people? Do you think King David was always happy in the midst of fighting the wars and preserving the theocracy of Israel? Do you think Jesus was always happy dealing with the multitude of problems that he encountered while on this earth? Well, the Bible says in Romans 12, 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We do a great disservice to people suffering when we act like they are supposed to be joyful in the middle of the darkness and the gloom of their life. When it's pouring rain in someone's life, we as God's people must stand in the rain with them and suffer with them and weep with them and be broken with them. Sure, we as believers must possess the joy of the Lord. We can't overlook that. But God's grace is sufficient in our pain. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. This is God speaking to Paul and he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. My grace is sufficient in the midst of your pain and in the midst of your suffering. If you have experienced deep hurt, and many of us in this room have, then you are the perfect candidate, candidate to be a conduit of mercy and of caregiving to someone else who is in pain and who is hurting very deeply. Now, if you're going to be an effective caregiver, you must possess, at least to some degree, the gift, the spiritual gift of mercy found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This gift of mercy, what is what is mercy? Well, let's define it for a moment. A blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. It's from God's perspective, a divine blessing of God's favor and God's compassion. Mercy, someone has said, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. It's not getting what you do deserve. The other side of that coin is grace, mercy and grace, and grace is getting 
what you don't deserve. The result is the same for both. And I don't know about you, but I want both. I need mercy. And I need grace. And I think you probably do too. We need God's mercy. Aren't you grateful we serve a God who is a God of compassion and mercy? Boy, we sure need it. Funny story I want to share with you. A fellow decided he wanted to have his picture taken. So he drives down to the photography studio and he walks in. Photographer said, how can I help you? Well, I want my picture taken. He said, awesome. Have a seat. We can do it right now. Snaps his pictures. Photographer says, come back in a week or so. You can look at your proofs. You know how they do. They lay them out. You can look at them. Pick which ones you want to buy and you'll be, you'll be good to go. Fellow said, great. Went home, came back about a week later. He showed up. Photographer said, here's your pictures. Laid them out for him. What do you think? The guy looks at his pictures and he says, good grief. He says, that doesn't even look like me. What have you done to my pictures? Have you airbrushed them? Have you, what have you done? I mean, this is horrible. You've got to be the worst photographer that's ever lived. These pictures are terrible. He says, I'm not going to pay for these pictures. He said, I want justice, justice, justice. Photographer looked at the fellow and said, Sir, with a face like yours, you don't need justice. You need mercy. <laughs> you need some grace. You need mercy and grace. The reason I'm sharing this with you this morning is because Pastor Mike told me to. Not, not really. Well, <laughs> but we've been talking about this in our pastor's meetings. Right, Brother Dan? And... We, we, what we want to do is we want to form a team. We want to build a caregiving team in the body of Christ. An army of Christ followers who desire to practice your gift of mercy. And many of you in this room have the gift of mercy. And you have a passion for that. One of the 14 gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have this gift of mercy. And we want to call you this morning to come alongside the pastors, the elders, the deacons, the CR leaders... To help us to give Christ-like care. Because there are plenty of people. You know plenty of people. I know plenty of people who are suffering for so many reasons. And we need help. We really do. So pray about that. Pray about becoming an assistant to us offer care and compassion to someone. Again, they're in this room. You know them. I know them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, where he's preaching to the multitude, the Beatitudes as they're known. And in verse 7, Jesus says, Blessed are the who? The merciful. For they shall receive what? Mercy. You want to receive mercy? You need to offer mercy. Mercy is what we express when we are led by God to be compassionate in our attitudes. The word mercy here, the original word is eleos, which is a noun form, and it simply means to show compassion. That's what it means, to show compassion. Mercy is love enacted. It's much more than just feeling 
sympathy towards someone. It is, it is love acted out. It is putting feet to your prayers and to your actions and being a doer of the Word. It is, is fleshing out the Christian life and living the Christian life in a way that honors the Lord. Mercy desires to answer the immediate needs of others and alleviate suffering and loneliness and grief. Mercy addresses the physical, emotional, financial, spiritual crisis with generous, self-sacrificial service. Mercy is the champion of the lowly, the poor, the exploited, and the forgotten, and acts on their behalf. That's this gift, this spiritual gift of mercy. It is a special attribute given by God and His Spirit, to members of the body of Christ, to feel the hurt. And that's important, to feel the hurt, to empathize and to sympathize and to step into someone's life and to feel the pain and the suffering and the searing agony that they're experiencing and to be there with them and for them and offer Christ-like comfort and Christ-like care. A beautiful picture of this is found in Luke chapter 10. The awesome story of the Good Samaritan where you know the story. He finds the fellow on the side of the road. He's been beat up. He's suffering. He's in agony. And the Samaritan comes alongside of him and scoops him up and cares for them and meets his needs and offers care and love and compassion and grace. As caregivers, as ministers, we want to help people. Anybody here not want to help someone? I hope you want to help people. That's, that's the calling as a believer. To help solve their problems. To encourage them. To be a blessing to them. But in our zeal to help, we cause more pain by failing to understand what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 3 says, that there is a time to weep. Just before that, it says there's a time for laughter. But also, there's a time to weep. And we must give people time to grieve and to mourn. John chapter 11, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Why was he weeping? Well, because number one, because he was fully human. Secondly, because his best friend had just died. Lazarus. He loved Lazarus. Jesus wept. He was broken. And it's a beautiful example of the need to be free to exhibit emotional pain. The Proverbs says, don't sing songs to a broken heart. There is a time to quote Scripture. God's Word is powerful and is life-changing, as you know. But it's probably not the first thing you should do when you encounter a person who is in pain. Just be there with them. Sit there with them. And weep with them. In pastoral care circles, this is known as the ministry of presence. Just be present. Be present with them. Heart full of compassion. Eyes full of tears. Ears ready to listen. And a mouth that is closed. Just be there with them. 
It's not about you at that point. And how many Bible verses you know is awesome. You know a lot of Bible verses. But it's about the suffering individual and acknowledging their pain. You remember the quote from the book, we do a great disservice to folks when we discount their pain. We must acknowledge it and give them space to grieve. Then later on, inject a portion of God's word of encouragement. How much later? Well, it depends on the person and their needs. Remember, it's not about you as a caregiver and what you think they may need because what you think they may need and what they really need can be two vastly different things. Different people grieve in different ways. You've seen that. You know that. You've been through hurt and pain and suffering. It depends on their personalities and their spiritual maturity, where they are in their life, their context, their circumstances, what they're dealing with, what is impacting their life. Different people grieve in very different ways. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, Weeping may last for the night, but joy (coughs) comes in the morning. Well, when that morning eventually comes, can be very, very different for you and for me and for someone else. You see, you, you cannot force joy and happiness on someone in pain. You can't do it. But you can provide lots and lots of mercy. And that's, that's what people really need initially. That's what they really really need. We've experienced personally, and so have many of you in this room, the loss, the death of a loved one. My brother died seven years ago this past May, May the 19th, 2011, at noon. The worst day of my life. That moment is seared into my brain, into my soul. I remember everything my dad said. I can remember every vivid aspect of that day. Some of you have experienced that. Susanna has with her mom and her sister. Many of you have lost loved ones, people you care for, and it hurts. It hurts like nothing else. Listen, you cannot fix that kind of pain. You cannot fix it. 
Don't even try. That's, that's not your place as a caregiver. That's way beyond your rank. Only God can, through His amazing grace and through His mercy and time, bring you back to a place of comfort and peace. Now God, listen, God wants to use you. Again, He's called all of us to be caregivers at some level, to some degree. And some of you have that gift of mercy. And some of you have a passion for this kind of ministry. And we need your help. There's a multitude of people hurting and struggling and suffering. And God wants to use you greatly. If you've been through a lot of pain, then God can really, really use you. There's a purpose in your pain. There's a reason behind that pain. And God wants to come alongside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and use you. And His mercy and compassion can flow through you as a caregiver into someone else's life. James chapter 1. You might know the passage where James says this, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are Dispersed abroad, broad greetings. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect. The word perfect means complete. You're filled up. You're controlled. Lacking in nothing. Your pain has a purpose. Your struggle has a purpose. If it's Emotional, financial, marital, spiritual, whatever kind of pain you're dealing with, God has a purpose in it all. All things are working together for good, to His glory. For those who have what? Who have been called according to His purpose. And His purpose for you is to walk through that pain and to be a conduit, a blessing to someone else. That's how God wants to use you. And He can. He can use you. Let's look quickly at some biblical references for mercy and compassion that are really scattered throughout God's Word beginning with Exodus 34. Just focus on verse 6. The Lord passed by in front of Him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Aren't you glad God's slow to anger? And abounding in compassion and loving kindness. The next verse. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and truth. Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all of His works. 
Lamentations 3, a very familiar passage. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease for His what? His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Ephesians 2, we move into the New Testament. Again, these are scattered. This theme runs throughout the canon of Scripture. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By your grace, by His grace, you have been saved. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Go to the next one. Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness? It's the same word for mercy. Some translations use the word mercy there and to walk humbly with your God. We've been commanded. Is that not what that says? What does the Lord require of you? Justice. To love mercy. Next. Matthew 5, 7. We looked at a moment ago. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. James 2.13, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 1 Peter 3.8-9, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called... For the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble. Not returning evil for evil. Insult for insult. But giving a blessing. Don't you wish our world would just practice that one phrase from that one verse. Don't you wish Washington, wish Washington D.C. would just apply a little bit of that. May God bless His Word. You know, Jesus Christ is our ultimate caregiver. He loves you. Jeremiah, the prophet, says that he loves you with an everlasting love. He died for you and he rose again for you because he cares for you. He's the greatest caregiver. And if you're here today, you've never given him your life. You've never said, Lord, I know, I recognize I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. That's what sin is. It's falling short of God's standard. Coming short, falling short. We've all done that. We're all sinners. But maybe you've never given your life personally and completely to Jesus Christ. He's waiting for you to walk into His loving arms, to trust Him as your Lord and as your Savior. 
Your mom and dad can't do it for you. Your friend can't do it for you. Church can't do it for you. Pastors can't do it for you. You have to make that choice to choose Jesus Christ and to trust Him and Him alone for your salvation. I invite you to come this morning. And by your coming, you're saying, I need Jesus Christ as my Lord. I need mercy. I need His grace. Trust Him. Give Him your life today. It'll be the greatest day of your life. And if you're sensing God's call upon your life to become part of a caregiving team, I invite you also, as God leads you, to come this morning and say, I want to be a part of that team. I want to help. I want to come alongside the pastoral staff. I want to offer care. God's equipped me. He's gifted me with this gift of mercy. And I want to come and be a part of that caregiving team and minister to those who are suffering. I invite you to come. Make that public. Make that commitment today.